Halloween is a Catholic holiday, and we're taking it back on Spirit Inspire starting right now. Broadcasting from the Cathedral of the Assumption in Louisville, Kentucky, this is Spirit Inspire. And now, here is your host. Welcome back to another episode of Spirit Inspire. I'm your host for this episode, Vincent Ricketts, and joined with me, as always, are my very handsome co-hosts, Mr. John Soule. Greetings. And Mr. Eric Huff. Hello, everyone. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Today, uh, we're... Did you like that spooky beginning? I was disturbed by it. So today we're talking about <laughs> Halloween. It's spooky season. And, um, well, really, so basically, the fact of the matter is that Halloween is a Catholic holiday. It's got Catholic origins. A lot of people don't know that. Um, and a lot of people think that we ought to not celebrate Halloween because um, it's associated with dark, scary things, um, witches and demons and ghouls and goblins and... Uh, yeah, we're here to set the record straight. Um, we're going to talk about the Catholic origins of Halloween. Um, it's the fact that it's part of Hallow Tide, which is Halloween, All Saints Day, and All Souls Day. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about what we believe as Catholics about uh, the saints, about purgatory, and. Uh, then we'll go through some of the Catholic origins of certain practices like trick-or-treating and dressing up and all that fun stuff. And then just some practical... Like the Protestant um, origins of trunk-or-treating. <laughs> if you want, Eric. Okay. Lame, nah. lame. But I enjoy the fact that we have our decorations here because that makes me excited. Yeah. I had to make it obvious that instead of just letting them sit there with no one talking about it, right? It had to be brought up, right? Or am I just stupid? I don't know. Not stupid, John. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Thanks. Like, am I stupid for talking about these? I, know, I love the skulls yeah. and the jack o' lanterns. It's, it's so great. It's it so. Uh, anyways, yeah, and then I'd like to maybe <laughs> maybe end off with just some like ideas on how we can celebrate Halloween as Catholics, make Halloween Catholic again, that sort of thing. So, All right. anyways, um, so Hallow Tide, what is it? You're the one with the answers here today. Man. I know. I was just I, this. This usually participatory. Is well, I can I can start <laughs> I can start with a basic understanding of my own personal experience of Halloween and how it's molded me as a person. Because you know I was born the day before Halloween, so I've always thought that was pretty exciting for me. Is because that a feast day at all? Is that's not yeah, part of that's not part of Halloween. I mean, one day it might be part it. of the Roman calendar, but no, no. There's, um, is there any? <laughs> so there's no saying on that day. Yes, uh, Brian Kane or former co-host, uh, as always, praying for you, Brian. Love you. Um, he said to me once, uh, he looked it up, and it was like St. Saint, uh, uh, Saint Xenophilius or St. Zenobia and Zenobius. That's their names. A uh, guy and girl martyred in the third century or something. That's cool. I know. Um, but anyway, so October 31st was always significant for me because – you know, one day I would get birthday presents and the next day I would get candy and all my friends would show up in Halloween costumes. And because my brother's birthday was like four days after mine on November 3rd, we would have like a double 
grade school birthday costume Halloween party that was always like the most popular party in grade school. Now, was his birthday part of Hallowtide? Uh, I mean, on November 3rd, it's the, so we have my birthday, then Halloween, then All Saints, All Souls, then my brother's birthday, which we always thought was pretty cool, you know, growing yeah. up. Um, so, so, you've got so, John Souls, so John Souls Day. Yes. John Souls Day. Then All Souls Day. And, and then Matt Souls Day. And then Matt Souls Day. Right, right. <laughs> what about All Saints Day? And then All Saints what Day. About it, we're all striving towards sainthood, right? That's the goal. But I always thought like Halloween was just fun to dress up and the costumes and the candy and the trick-or-treating, sure, sure. Uh, going house to house back when you felt safe, like you weren't going to get kidnapped every other house, um, which I think where is where some of the origins of trunk-or-treating came from, a practical safety tip nowadays um, since the dawn of social media. But for me, Halloween represented like a, an innocent time. Now, in eighth grade, I remember my mom uh, helped with some of the parents for our eighth grade haunted house, and we actually organized it. It was a lot of fun. Um, and so when I did youth ministry, I resurrected that, pun intended, um, with some of the eighth graders at one of the schools I worked at. And it was a lot of fun, but I tell you, every year we did it. The first year, great. I was able to provide catechesis on Halloween. We were able to keep it safe and fun and appropriate. But I tell you, every year it seemed to just get more and more. There was just an unhealthy focus on violence or the demonic or things that were just very, very grotesque in ways that weren't necessarily making fun of death, but it was starting to fall into the worship of death, mm. right? And that is the danger that I found with Halloween. And I started thinking, well, maybe Halloween's a bad holiday. Maybe we shouldn't celebrate it. Maybe it's it's evil because of how it's been twisted and destroyed. Well, of course, the twisted version of Halloween is not good and not healthy. But we have to untwist these things. We have to be able to address uh, the legitimate celebrations that brought Halloween into existence so that we can retrieve them and then celebrate them again with, I think, even greater confidence um, and maybe greater fruitfulness in their effects on people. Because the fact is death is a part of life, right? Or at least not the original plan, but here we are in a fallen world, subject to death, limited by space and time, and we have to come to terms with that in a way that brings people hope in the resurrection and belief in the resurrection. So I think Halloween is less about death as an end, but it's, I think, uh, six months after Easter, this may be an inverted or uh, the other side of the, the year, right, during the fall when you actually experience the dying of the leaves and the, the you know dying of the gardens and the flowers as this uh, trust and belief in the spring. And you think before technology, they had all these people that had, uh, they, we, before we had electricity, the internet, the modern conveniences, fall was kind of scary because you wondered, am I actually going to survive the winter? I mean, isn't that what the first Thanksgiving was about? Like they came to the new world and they celebrated with a feast because their harvest actually was abundant and they felt confident in surviving the winter. I think that's part of it. Maybe I'm wrong in the history. I don't know everything about this stuff. You're more of the history buff with some of that. But I'm just thinking in terms of like, it's not so much about the worship of death. It's more about the transformation of death into something beautiful and life-giving. 
which to sure. me makes sense why All Saints Day is the next day. Yeah, right. Well, and all of it is um, the whole celebration of Hallowtide is is kind of starts with and is centered around All Saints Day. Yeah, right. That's why I asked about it, and you guys shut me down. Well, that's okay. We're talking. It's easy about to it shut now. you down, Eric. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So Halloween, right? Is I don't know how common this knowledge is, but Halloween is just kind of a um, an etymological. It's etymologically tied to All Hallows Eve. I thought where you were talking the, about grammatic part. Come from? I think it's a truncated Hallow, version like, of evening? All Hallows Eve. Like Een is evening. Yeah. Right. You just say it enough fast and with an with an Irish accent. It's like accent, when you say the becomes... word "ain't," everybody knows what you're talking about. Even if "ain't" ain't a word, yeah. you can say "am not," but it sounds more fun to say "ain't." So Halloween is more fun than All Hallows Eve, right? Okay. To and say, th- think about most of our, um, like most of our liturgical celebrations are going to have like a vigil attached to them. So they yes. have like the Easter vigil. Um, or even like we, the, the sun average, uh, Sunday celebration of the Holy mass, you have the vigil mass that, you know, because that, uh, liturgically that begins, uh, you know, when the sun goes down the evening before. Yeah. We have Christmas Eve so, as well. Yeah. Right? right. So it's like, um, and that, that goes back to, you know, the Jewish roots of Christianity. So Halloween then is just like a vigil before All Saints Day, which is a holy day of obligation, by the way. So go to Mass on All Saints Day. Um, but yeah, and then and we've had All Saints Day since the 8th century, um, Pope Gregory III. And I guess the church had to compile enough saints to feel justified in giving them a feast day all by themselves. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I just had to so, throw it out there. <laughs> so... And then, of course, after that, we have mm. we have all souls. So, I wanted to just kind of break those down individually, piece by piece. Talk about all saints, and then all souls, and then circle back to Halloween because Halloween and what we want to say about Halloween only makes sense in, in light, light of those things. Right. So, um, so yeah, all saints. Why do we celebrate it? What is a saint? You guys want to pick that up? Yeah. You want to jump in? So, I mean. The, I mean, I think we we did a little. We touched upon this a little bit last year, um, with with the All Saints Day, uh, and, and made that really the focus. So, I think we should be a little bit, uh, and you can check that episode out a little a little more brief on it today. But, you know, it comes from the veneration of saints. Uh, we did which, that last December, right? That episode somewhere in that range. Somewhere, yeah. yeah. So, um, the veneration of saints. Um, why, why do Catholics venerate saints? What does it mean? Uh, I think that question comes up quite a bit. Uh, it definitely is scandalous, uh, to other Christian denominations, despite it having some of the most ancient roots in Christianity. And even in Catholicism, it's an, it's an underdeveloped theology. That is to say, um, we've had it, it's, it's so familiar to us and it's with us, but, um, you know that that theology hasn't um, been expounded upon uh, with great detail. I mean, there's things like the third person of the Trinity, the the Holy Spirit, uh, which we have a have just a shadow of a knowledge of, despite um, 
him be, yeah, despite 2000 years of Christian witness and, and him being um, such an integral part of our faith. And the same goes for the saints that it's, it's clearly there. It's clearly in scripture. Uh, it's clearly in the early days of the church, uh, dating back to the catacombs and um, the veneration of the martyrs there. And you have to remember, you know, the first 30 something odd popes were, were martyrs themselves um, including St. Peter. So, uh, in, and they would take the martyrs after they had died, um, and they, they would put them down in the catacombs and they would hold vigil and pray, uh, in the catacombs. Um, and, and you can do so even till present day in the outskirts of Rome. And, and that, that's where it comes from. That's where the original, um, veneration of the saints has, has really developed in history. Hmm. I look at that as a, a gift to us, maybe, because the saints are meant to be these shining examples of righteousness, of virtue, of holiness, of real happiness, right? The the person fully alive, full human flourishing, right? I, I think I heard Jason Everett one time describe it as like a saint is a person in full bloom of their humanity. Uh, and if we look at that, then hopefully we can see these saints no, not so much as these impossible pillars of um, perfection that we could never reach or uh, that we can't relate to in any way, where they're just like statues, holy cards, halos, and, um, and devotionals, but rather they're human beings where they lived human lives. They had human hardships, suffering, as well as joys. They had humor. They had uniqueness. Um, if you lined up all of the worst sinners, like the mob mafia leaders, the drug cartel leaders, trafficking dictators, and you just looked at their characteristics, they would all just blend together. They're the same. There's there's just bland, boring emptiness, right? But when you line up the saints and you focus on their characters, their virtues and their personalities, it's absolute uniqueness. They are the most vibrant and fully alive human beings that could possibly exist. Um, obviously all you know, imitating Mother Mary, who's in perfect virtue, but who ultimately reflects the light of her son, Jesus, right? In this, they're all in the communion of saints. There's some level of communication that they still have with one another. There's still some sort of prayer and intercession they, they make on our behalf here on earth. And so the veneration of the saints for us is really just an opportunity for us to, I think, encounter them in a way that helps us realize they're real. You're going to meet them one day. You'll be able yeah. to hug them, shake their hand, talk to them, see their face. You know, hear their laugh. And one of the things that's that's important too is that they they are the ones who have transmitted the faith that they that they knew Christ. Uh, you know, God could have made the world and planned uh, salvation for us in a way that that wasn't as incarnate. That um, I don't know, He could have just um, put the knowledge of salvation in our minds and that we could know. But the fact that the saints have spread the gospel. And uh, and died as a witness physically uh, is another incarnational aspect of salvation, and the fact that it's been carried down through uh, the saints and through families through age after age. Um, you know, God could have. Uh, you you do hear some uh, 
some sects of Christianity um, say, you know, oh, things got really messed up in the first couple of centuries, and then we found these tablets somewhere, or uh, the leader of our group received some kind of special knowledge uh, about uh, what things were really like in the time of the apostles. But the saints, uh, the cool thing about uh, our faith, and and one of the things that you know that that those those ideas don't really check out to me, uh, not even on first glance. But with the saints, um, the faith was passed down, and you can look at a person in a specific time period. Um, you know whether it's it's you know Mother Cabrini in the 19th century. Uh, in the Five Points neighborhood in, in New York City, like it's a very real and tangible reality. Or if it's Gregory the Great um, with the barbarians outside the gates of Rome, like these people exist in the context of time and space, as you were saying, that they are uh, in one way limited by that, um, but in another way, um, they're, we know that they're in heaven and that they're immortalized in Christ. And... Um, so it's very, very cool, very tangible, very real. You can still see the resting places or the relics or um, maybe the places that these saints historically had been. Some of them are, are new. You know, we have we have um, people in the canonization process uh, currently that um, that didn't die that long ago. Uh, I think of uh, Bishop Sheen and I think of... Uh, Carlos Acutis and uh, people who we can mm. can see, and we even lived. Uh, many of us lived in the same times that overlap with theirs, and in the same world that they lived in. Um, it's not some some distant past uh, thing, and it makes the faith is relational. So, like one thing that sets Christianity apart from other religions, other philosophies is that uh, in Christianity, it, it is about relationship. It's about relationship with Christ first and foremost. But we get to share in that and partake in that with each other uh, through mm-hmm. our friendship, um, through our relationship to the church and other Christians, and for those who had gone on before us, which would be the saints. And, and I think that that's really remarkable. And what a great gift from God for us mm-hmm. to have that. Yeah, and also, you know, another cool thing was something like All Saints Day... Um, is that it's not just celebrating those saints that we can name, right? Those that have been canonized, the but countless also those, witnesses, those uh, those many many unnamed saints who are currently experiencing the beatific vision by the grace of God. Um, we don't know, and these may be maybe people that have uh, that we have known in life that have gone on before Our us own and family. are now experiencing God. So, um, you know, uh, as we talk about the saints and. To dwell, to dwell on them a little bit, I think, is important because, remember, death leads to resurrection. So to understand death, we have to understand the resurrection and vice mm-hmm. versa. And so the saints represent the beatific vision, the being in heaven, the, the experience of resurrection on some level that we don't fully understand yet. And I got a glimpse of it a few years ago We when I was doing youth ministry in our parishes, uh, 2016, 17, 18, we did three years in a row where we actually performed the lives of the saints, uh, small skits that we called Saints Alive. And there's actually a new podcast that came out called the Saints Alive podcast. It's like an old 1940s style radio show that's for kids, which is really cool. But um, that aside, which my brother is trying to try out to do voice acting for, uh, I might even try, who knows. But the Saints Alive 
Give us your best. Give us your best I voice acting impression. I can't do it. Now. Not right now. You cannot put <laughs> me on this spot. Give us a Kermit the Frog real quick. I can't. I can't. You chose Kermit the Frog over all these people. I er, can't do it. Do Ernie. You have to do Shaggy if you're going to do that. Since we're talking about Halloween, Scooby Doo, right? Come on. Oh, like Zoinks, John. <laughs> we got a mystery to solve. <laughs> That was so good. That was so good. Anyway, <laughs> random aside, back to the Saints. Um, we did the Saints Alive Theater, and it was so fun. Uh, the first year we did the Mercy Saints, because it was a year of mercy. So uh, St. Faustina, St. Maximilian Colby, Mother Teresa, St. Maria Goretti, and St. John Paul II. This is in 2015? 2016. 16. So the year of mercy. And afterward, I asked one of the girls in the youth group who performed to St. Faustina to write a blog for our website. And she wrote a blog, and she titled it, St. Faustina Writes from Heaven. And she, when she sent it to me, she said, I took some creative freedom. I hope you're okay with this. And I was like, what is that? So I'm, I was having a really rough really bad week that week in my life and just struggling with a lot of stuff and as i read this it just brought me to tears because she wrote from she wrote from saint faustina's perspective and she and so saint faustina in this blog wrote you know i just met a newly admitted resident into heaven and she wanted me to meet her family and so she took me down to earth to see her parish and her family and i walked in these rooms and i saw all kinds of costumes and uh i saw uh, you know man and woman and they were guiding young people and and this woman looked at me and said you know that's this this was her idea she looked so proud at this woman uh in this room with all these kids and costumes and then this young man was being you know poked and prodded with some of the uh the young people and he seemed to be you know kind of directing them and and she realized this is saints alive and yet better than ever, because she said, when I saw Maximilian Colby say, I will take this man's place, I'm a Catholic priest, in the concentration camp, in the play, Maximilian Colby himself was in heaven blessing their efforts. When uh, Alessandro was watching his own conversion in the play, he was gripping the lilies in his hand ever tightly, you know, the, of purity, because Alessandro was a man who killed Maria Goretti and because of her forgiveness he ended up having conversion. Then she finished it with as John Paul II blessed the crowd of trick-or-treaters at the fall festival at that parish, so too did John Paul II, the heavenly counterpart, bless their efforts. And she said, I have to I have to make sure they remember this. So she had uh and she said, my diary. So she had this girl open up the diary the night of and it said, um she said, I know the exact words that I wanted to remember. And she looked down and said, no deed undertaken for God will perish. And I remember this girl saying this to me the night of. She was just so blown away. She opened it up and saw that. She put this in the blog. And it was like St. Faustina wanted her to read this. And she said, at the very end of the night, I thanked Fran Saul for having guided me through the saints. And we took our leave of one another. Well, Fran Saul was my grandma who had died that year. And for her to write that, to me, was not just some 17, 18-year-old girl writing just because she had inspiration from a cool event. It was a mystical, prayerful experience where I firmly believe that is how Scripture was written. It is inspired text. Mm. Can I put elevate that to the inspiration of Holy Scripture? Not necessarily, obviously. But for the sanctification and healing of my own family to have certainty in heaven and trust in my grandma's entrance into eternal life, like 
that to me sanctified Halloween, sanctified All Saints Day in a way mm. that helped me understand the value of that. So not to get teary eyed, but it's just it's real. The saints yeah, are together, real. I'm, t- I'm telling you, man. Um, the saints are real, and mm. the love they have for us is real and tangible, including those who have gone before us and may never be canonized with holy cards or statues, but they are truly there. And I think that's why All Souls Day is so closely associated with it, because right. all souls are called to sanctity. Yeah. And they're, they're truly there, and they're, they really are um, praying for us and concerned with what's going on. Um, I, I, you know, we, well, we have a lot more to, to get to, so I don't want to get too bogged down on this, but um, yeah, I, I've heard some, um, you know, objections say from other, other Christian denominations that might say, well, you know, why, why bother praying to the saints when you can just pray to God or even, um, do the saints even care what's going on? They're just, they're beholding God. So why would they, why would they care? they're in soul sleep. Yeah, right. Yeah, but that's like I just don't feel not going to go down that rabbit trail. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, like, and we we can maybe maybe briefly address that. I know I know Scripture pretty well cuts against that. When you think about Revelation um, in chapters five and six, I think where you know the incense and the throne of God and the even the um, you think about the the souls of the martyrs underneath, um, underneath the altar and, the, uh, the, martyrs, they're yeah. crying, they're crying out for vengeance, you know, and it seems like they're obviously aware that those who killed them are not yet, are not yet, have not yet been, um, received their justice and, and that sort of thing. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it is important to recognize that like one, that, that the saints are real that they are alive in Christ. They're, yeah, they're, they're dead in one sense. You can visit their bodies, many of them, but they're alive in Christ because our God is the God of the living and not the God of the dead. And um, that they care and that they're aware of what's going on and that they they want to, earn, they want to earnestly and eagerly our salvation as well to experience that with them. So, um and then, yeah, like you said, John, all souls are called to sanctity. There's that universal call of holiness uh, or called to holiness. So that kind of brings us into All Souls Day a little bit. And, of course, to understand All Souls Day and what that is, um, got to kind of understand purgatory and what, what is the doctrine of purgatory? Why do we believe that? Um, and what what does that tell us about All Souls Day? And I... I wanted to, I have this um, citation from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1030, to kind of kick us off and then open that up for it's discussion. It's my birthday, 1030, and it's the day before Halloween, 1030. I wonder what 1031 says. Anyway, continue, huh? sidetrack. But this is, this is uh, paragraph 1030 of the Catechism. So it says, all who die in God's grace and friendship, but still imperfectly purified, are indeed assured of their eternal salvation. But after death, they undergo purification so as to achieve the holiness necessary to enter the joy of heaven. Hmm. So, Mm. yeah, thoughts? I can keep going if you want. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, I love this. This is great. Yeah, so... Just give us some um, thoughts on this. 
So Vincent, we're gonna butt in whenever we have thoughts. That's fine. That yeah. works for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, some thoughts on this. Um, first of all, we we know um, that nothing impure can enter heaven. John, the beloved disciple, tells us this in uh, Revelation um, chapter twenty-one that nothing unclean can enter heaven. So there seems to be like this, um, you know, when we die, if we die in the friendship of God, in his grace, in a state of grace, um, like, like the catechism says, we are assured of our salvation. But we may not be perfectly clean, right? And I would say that's most, if not all of us. Right. Um, you know, there are probably certainly... I mean, thinking of the Blessed Virgin and others, but, you know, very few people will die and be ready for heaven at that moment. John so, Paul II probably was. <laughs> so, like... But, yeah. Yeah, it's like most of us, vast majority of us, mm. we're not going to be perfect at the time of our death. I think the goal is to get as much of purgatory done on earth as possible. Right. So that purgatory is not as bad because sure and i've heard i don't know where you hear this but some saints have said stuff like or there's been apparitions of people i don't know how legit this is but it's like a saint comes back and Source? says something I made it up right i probably no, but saying. it's like you don't want purgatory you don't want to just aim for purgatory because purgatory is purgative painful right there's going to be levels of remorse and guilt and stuff that you'd have to sort through and you got all the time in the world, right? There's no death after that. You don't go to hell. You have to you have to deal with it. It's not like purgatory is the oop, which way am I gonna go? And you have to spend a whole bunch of time figuring it out. It's more like you are being purged and purified. Yeah. And I'd rather do all that on earth first, right? Right. Yeah, I mean it's and and that's even we'll we'll get to this because I have some scripture references here that are like that talk about purgatory and some you know reasons why we why we believe in that but like saint paul's description of purgatory in first corinthians is he uses that image of fire you know that um well i'll, I'll read that in a minute but that like our works will be tested with fire and whatever is burned up will cause us to suffer loss and um that the person himself will be saved, but that you know there will be a sort of loss incurred as part of this purification. To finish my thought from earlier, though, the the idea is that you know we're not going to die in a perfect state of holiness. There will be some amount of uncleanness about us in all likelihood, and so as a grace and a gift from God, so that you don't have to be perfectly sinless to enter heaven, because it could be that way. Uh, he gives us this. There, there's some sort of purgation that happens after death, whereby whatever stain there is on our soul at the moment of death is wiped away before we enter heaven. We know, of course, from Revelation that nothing unclean can enter heaven. But, um, yeah, I mean, also think about, I, was it C.S. Lewis who said this? It was like that it's, it's a, uh, how awful would it be to not have purgatory? And God still lets us into heaven anyways. It'd be like... It, oh, it, gosh. It's a, I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, it'd be like we we go to enter into the, the Father's house and we're covered in mud and there's mud all over the bottoms of our shoes and stuff. And he's got this pristine, this pristine mansion. And, uh, you know, God is like, hey, let me let me clean you off. 
a little bit. Let's take you out back and hose you down, you know? And, uh, and we're like, no, that's okay. I'm good. I'm, I like, I'll have mud on my boots for eternity and I'm in the father's house. So that's good. You know, I'm not in hell, but, um, you may, maybe I'm tracking mud everywhere or maybe I'm just, just imagine just like being kind of dirty. If we didn't have purity and pure, if we weren't purged of certain things like that we deal with in this world with sin and darkness, heaven would be no different than this. Yeah, that's true. And it would suck. <laughs> But that's why, like, want it. that's why, like, uh, you know, the famous like analogy of you know we're just snow covered dung, kind of the, right, the, the that Lutheran, Lutheran, yeah, yeah, analogy is like, and you know he nailed his ninety five theses on Halloween. I didn't know that. I also heard that that, that might crazy? might be an apocryphal story, but you know what? I don't uh, care. It's still cool, right? Fifteen thirty. 1517. I, I thought it was cool October 31st. But, uh... I know that, but there's some <laughs> level of, think of the Protestant Reformation as in, in many ways like the beginning of what we are dealing with now, which is what many people have described as the end of Christendom and the reintroduction of apostolic mission, right? I think there's a whole book written about that. And when did it really begin, if not for that, quote, enlightenment period where people really started questioning the authority of the church in such a way where they systematically attempted to tear it apart, right? So if it in fact happened on Halloween, then there has to be trust and belief. Like if you could put yourself back in that time and say, okay, even if this was going to lead to all of what we've experienced in this world with the collapse, yeah, there is trust in the resurrection that the church must be crucified with her Lord passing through the passion the catechism itself says this so that he can then rescue her mm. and bring the salvation not of the church's power we are powerless to deal with that but yeah through christ in his resurrection hey everyone this week's episode is sponsored by family renewal project frp is a local theology of the body apostolate in service to the archdiocese of louisville they're dedicated to renewing the culture through the renewal of the family they have so many amazing things going on, so check them out at FamilyRenewalProject.com. I um yeah. Speaking of Luther and all this, um, of course he he wrote commentaries on scripture and and stuff, and uh, he would write in some of his commentaries, you know, especially on like the Epistle of James. Like he was like, and he didn't believe in like, purgatory. He's like, I don't think this is scripture. Not, I don't, I don't believe so. I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on the Protestant Reformation because I'm not. But I know that, um, you know, the early Protestants removed seven books from the Bible, um, and it's a, it's a that's debate a, that the they took the Deuterocanonical, yeah. I don't want to get down this. This feels like it needs to be its own episode, but just well, finish yeah. it. Yeah. It's, and then they, they claim it's apocryphal. Yeah. But um, I think I think there's a fair... The rabbinic Judaism also holds the same set of books. So I think it's fair to say, uh, to put it on hold on whether they ripped them out. It's not like they ripped them out of the... This is bad. This is bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It wasn't like that. Yeah. Like I said, it's a it's a little... It's a bit more of a complicated question than just of course then i can address in like a sentence so that's why i think maybe do a whole episode on it that yeah. does some more research but um 
Snow covered dung. Where, the the <laughs> the segue I was trying to make that failed because Eric had to say things that are nuanced. Um, hey, this is how it works. <laughs> is uh, that you know one of the first, or, or we'll say earlier earliest scriptural references that we have that talks about or at least makes a reference to purgatory or at least making atonement for the dead, which is the point of All Souls Day is praying for the dead. Um, which we didn't haven't really gotten to yet, but is in Second Maccabees, um, chapter twelve, where you know Judas Maccabeus and company, um, they're on the battlefield and they have these fallen comrades, and they find um, that some of their fallen um, Israelite comrades are wearing these tokens of the idol of Jamnia, uh, which is forbidden for the Jews to wear because it was a like a basically like a minor form of idolatry to, to trust in other gods, of course. So um, it says that, um, that Second Maccabee says that they prayed for the dead, that the sin might be wholly blotted out. So they're already dead, but they're still praying for the for their sin to be blotted out. And then it says hmm. that he also took the extra step and took up a collection for a sin offering and sent it to Jerusalem. And uh, Second Maccabees takes special care to note uh, that in doing this, he acted very well and honorably. Therefore, he made atonement for the dead that they might be delivered from their sin. Mm. Yeah. And so, but, and I'll say this, even if you reject Second Maccabees as inspired, um, which it's, it is, it is the Hanukkah story. It's right. <laughs> it's <laughs> still, it's still at least a good historical window into what many Jews would have believed. And so when, uh, when Christ says, when Christ says um, in Matthew 12, when he's talking about the sin against the Holy Spirit, he describes the sin against the Holy Spirit as the sin which will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come, which would seem to imply that there's some sort of sin, some category or kind or whatever, that could be forgiven in the age to come. Right. Um, so if Christ is addressing a group of people who would believe, presumably, because of, look at sources like Maccabees, uh, in a kind of atonement for the dead. That's and he, If he meant to refute that belief, it, he only seems to reinforce it there in Matthew 12. Um, or even in, in uh, Matthew 5, where he talks about, you know, make friends, or what does he say? Yeah, make friends with your accuser, something to that effect, mm -hmm. uh, because then he'll hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you'll be thrown into prison and... Um, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. It's like his the, that that prison analogy is very much like a kind of a purgatory, and you're paying paying the last penny. He doesn't say you'll never get out ever, but you will not get out. Until it's a you've it's paid a debt, and it's like Christ came to pay the ultimate debt of death that we mm -hmm. couldn't really pay, and we still have to pass through it. And I think that's what. Again, what Halloween is ultimately about is understanding death as a debt that we cannot avoid. We have to enter into, um, but with trust in Christ who paid it with his self-sacrificial death, we can then unite our own physical death with that mm -hmm. act of redemption. Are you guys familiar with the uh, Eastern perspective on... Uh... In, even in the Eastern Orthodox Church, which um, somewhat, well, definitely rejects the, the Catholic notion of purgatory to some degree, but also has that uh, payment of debt. It's clearly in Scripture 
then it's the uh, the toll houses. Where you mm. go through and you, I, know, yeah. you yeah. pay your way through. Um, yeah, like the toll bridge that we have to deal with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly like that. But uh, but but there's always been an ancient perspective, and even as theologies develop differently, uh, or at least somewhat differently, I don't think I don't think they're very far off in my own estimation, to be completely honest. But uh, it's it's been um, widely understood by the church uh, since antiquity um, that that you know the readings you pulled out of out of scripture just now, Vincent, that that those. Those readings mean exactly what you say. Mm. I, I think it's the <coughs> reality of learning how to enter into your own uh, own sinfulness, own dysfunction with trust that Christ will bring redemption to it all. Um, it is only through the slow passage of time that that happens on earth. In purgatory, obviously, it might be even slower or more painful. I don't know. Um, but to yeah. trust that there's some kind of a connection it's, between it's just, this life and purgatory. Right. And it's just that there, the, the doctrine of purgatory, all that we need to believe and really I, I think all that we, yeah, all that we should hold to really is just that there is some sort of state for most of us that if we're not fully like purified, not fully holy by the time of our death. We're just going to have to be purified before we can enter heaven. Historically, it's gotten a little confusing because I know like the church has used um, language of like days, like in terms of indulgences and stuff, like you can get X many days out of purgatory. And that's not, and this is another rabbit trail, but they weren't, they were never making a claim as to the actual literal amount of days that one was in purgatory, but rather it was. Do you, do you know the history on it? it I, I don't, but I just know that it was not, so literal as it was like a, an amount of suffering or an amount of a debt that would be somewhat in, equivalent in to the that. early church um that they would actually you know if somebody was supposed to be imprisoned and they had a debt of that amount of that many days i think imprisoned so it's like you get to, i don't know 20 to life whatever it is that someone else could pay the ransom um hmm. Either in in terms of actually spending that time in in prison, or um, or paying it off in, in some other way, so that's that's definitely it's a definitely ancient uh, where that comes from, and mm. uh, as it developed, uh, I think that that it is it is a little confusing to our modern sensibilities. Yeah, but that's I think where it initially comes from. It's a very early church, mm. and right. I, and I think purgatory speaks to our um, need to enter into experiences of death, self-denial, and even pain and suffering in this life, not just to avoid <coughs> purgatory later, but rather to bring healing now. Like if we focus on these things now and not run away from them, but also not worship them, right? Because that's where mm -hmm. the Halloween can get extreme. But if you have a, the proper sensibility I like about that Halloween, that kind of rhymed. 
Oh, yeah, it kind of did, didn't it? Yeah. Um, But if you have the proper sensibility about Halloween, (laughs) I love this stuff. Um, I feel like you can enjoy the ghosts and the the skeletons and the jack-o'-lanterns and the costume parties and the trick-or-treating even. All those things with a, a healthy attitude and recognize that it's in the middle of the fall. It's right in the midst of all the leaves falling off the trees. I mean, the the moment of death in many ways from all these things that we've seen growing and, and being beautiful around us that have now died, but yet even in their death, remember the leaves are beautiful. So there's some beauty in death hmm. that is meant to, I think, speak to us and evoke a sense of wonder at the mystery of redemptive suffering and so when we enter into halloween with gusto and a full sense of celebration you're entering in no different than abraham with every step he took knowing he would be called to sacrifice his son isaac there was this sense of what am i doing how am i doing this why would god call me to do this but yet he trusted and believed well if he can give me a son in my old age i guess he can bring him back from the dead and i believe it was the trust in the resurrection that Mm. that actually gave him right that moved him from just propagating the species to propagating the gospel sure that that reminder of death that memento mori it reminds me of uh and and definitely when you brought up the skeletons there's a a young student at the school that i work at a preschooler can you say this while you hold the skeleton yeah (laughs) and uh and this this young man this preschooler came into school the other day and his, his dad had taught him this so that he wouldn't be afraid uh, during the Halloween season with all the reminders, the skeletons and reminders of death. And he said, I have a skeleton inside me and so does everyone inside of me and so does everyone else. <laughs> oh my and gosh. So, uh, That's actually theologically incorrect. You are your skeleton. You are That's your right. skeleton. That's right. Yeah. It's magnificent yeah, that, that though. That skeleton is you. Yeah. Heresy. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> the, uh, the the everyone has a skeleton inside of them. This was made in Shenzhen, Guangdong, China. Made in China, huh? That's between April and June of 2010. It's not very clear on which month. So it's pretty lit. To be or not to be? I had to say that. You know, I mean, you're holding a skull. Isn't that what you say? You didn't have to. I guess. Beth? Well, I want I want to hold the skull. Okay, he okay. gets to hold the skull That's too. Skull. We just got derailed somehow with That's holding okay. the skull. That's fine. Sorry. Yeah, so, okay. So speaking of the, um, yeah. speaking of the, put this back. We were talking about totally derailed ourselves. Purgatory. Purgatory and death and entering into redemptive suffering. Yeah. Okay. And the full this gusto of Halloween. Because, yeah, because all of this, right, in order to become a saint, All Saints Day, um, enter into all saints day we celebrate on halloween we don't celebrate death right but we but we sort of um in recognition of that and uh that's kind of where that celebration comes from and even and and i want to get to the skeletons and the ghosts and all that um i do want to talk about trick-or-treating because this is kind of perfectly cu- coming out of talking about purgatory because there's kind of a, you know, traditionally we, we know we need to pray for the souls in purgatory because they're going through a kind of purgative suffering um, that's, yeah, they're 
they, they've passed on, but they've not made it all the way home yet. And so we're praying for them while they're going through this. And um, this is actually where trick-or-treating came from. Do you guys know that? What? I just learned this like last year, and it's boggled my mind ever since. It's awesome. So trick-or-treating, okay, so in um, England, Scotland, Ireland, right? This is kind of where that, that area... What about Wales? Not Wales. Okay. I don't know. British Isles. Um <laughs> Basically, there was a... Uh, can't exclude the fourth one. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Keep going. There was a tradition, <laughs> I love Eric so much, of you'd have like poor uh, beggar families would go door to door and they would, um, yeah, they would knock door to door and they would beg for food and um, around this time of year. And so traditionally what uh, families who had enough to give, they would bake um, these kind of packed, like nutrient dense, were called soul cakes, and they would give these soul cakes to these poor families that would go door to door and beg for food. And um, the deal was the the family they would say, "Please give us food in exchange. We'll pray for all of your deceased loved ones." And so um, they would go door to door, collect these soul cakes. Sound familiar? And then they would go home, and they would. Um, you know, eat the soul cakes would be like kind of a family ritual thing. Um, and then they would spend the rest of the night, um, sometimes staying up all night, making like doing prayers, saying prayers and offering penances and things um, for the souls of the loved ones of the people who had given them the food. Um, mm. And sometimes as it sort of developed, um, the poor families would sometimes even dress up Um as saints and offer prayers or uh, sometimes they would dress up as like spooky things, goblins or skeletons or ghosts or things like that. Um, So you're saying like the the concept of dressing up in costume and going door to door emerged both with people dressing as the saints and dressing up as spooky mm -hmm. goblins and skeletons and ghosts at the same time. Yeah, I'm, I don't know about... It wasn't like Saints came first and then it got I, dark? I don't know. I'm not sure. Like, that's an but interesting thing I don't to wanna, think I don't want to pretend to know the answer to that question. That's true. I don't, don't pretend. I don't know. But uh, I know that they are linked in that way, and that they're both linked to this. That's, that kind of gives um, me a sense of affirmation, because when we did Saints Alive, I had another group of kids do um, the Haunted House at our Parish Fall Festival, and... I got them all together at one time. So the very last group to go through the haunted house that night, which we had behind the Mary garden. So it was almost like Mother Mary keeping the darkness away from our parish community, which I thought was funny, but I don't think the kids fully grasped what I was talking about. But anyway, I got the saints to go through the haunted house. It was like they banished the darkness for once and for all. And then they all got on the uh, hayride and had a great time. We took a big picture. So I had kids with severed heads holding and kids dressed as like St. Therese or, you know, like standing <laughs> next to each other in one picture. It was pretty epic. But I don't know. There was just something... It was like God allowed that in my life to where I had a whole culture of people and kids and families who would never have connected to the saints, but they were at least still in the room with the yeah. kids that did and really grasped the depth of the mm. mystical life, right? And that would have never happened without that openness to yeah. letting them be exposed to each other. There's a 
there's a, there's a significance to dressing to both as dressing as the saints and addressing as these spooky things. Right. And I and they're both perfectly legitimate. And I want to like, I want to legitimize that um, with the the nuance and explanation that that requires. So right. Like with the saints, that's obvious. We want to imitate the saints. And it's sometimes we want to dress like the people that we want to imitate. Um, and so that one, that one seems a little bit more um, self-evident that you might dress as a saint that you have particular devotion to or that you particularly like or want to be like um, as a way to kind of call upon their intercession and, and ask that they watch over you and that sort of thing. When it comes to dressing as the spooky things... Um, Thinking about skeletons and the ghosts. Spooky thing. Yes, because it is spooky season, and I like spooky season. Yes. Um, but you know the thing about the skeletons, uh, for example, is you know skeletons have always represented in in our imagery death. Um, right. Think about memento mori, which is a very common Christian thing. It's kind of fallen off, unfortunately. I think we should bring it back. Mm-hmm. That you know we have to remember our death. Not in a morbid sort of way, but rather to um, inspire us to live with that in mind. Inspire, inspire it's us realistic. to realistic. Yeah, it's just bring realistic. back skull chapels. Dude, the Capuchin Bone Church is beautiful, but yet that so like macabre. The Capuchin right? Bone Church sounds like a heavy metal band name. It does, doesn't <laughs> it? But you can actually visit this thing, and it's literally lined with the skull, skull, skulls and skeletal structure of all these different people who lived back then. What, what you are, we once were. What we are, you will become. I know. It's like, that's spooky, yeah, right? It's that, chilling. Ooh, it's like, it is chilling. Um, but, you know, I mean, and especially if you put, like, the skeleton and the ghost next to each other, the, the ghost... You know, the word ghost is Germanic, comes from Geist, which... Um, Poltergeist. Is, yeah, noisy ghost. Uh, that's what that means. But like... It's cool. Yeah, ghost comes from Old English ghast, which comes from the German Geist, which was the translation of the Latin spiritus. So ghost, holy ghost, or the Holy Spirit. That's why these are both perfectly legitimate ways of talking about the third person right. of the Holy Trinity. And so... You know, we we pray for the souls in purgatory, or the spirits in purgatory, or the ghosts in purgatory. So we pray for those ghosts in a way. Gosh, and so good. <laughs> um, and so that kind of you have you have a ghost and maybe a skeleton. That sort of and that's a, a great representation of death because you have the soul and the body. And what is the body without the soul? But just this empty shell that's hollow and yes. right. But when you put the two together, you have the fullness of the human person. That's how so, our body-soul composites. Um, and when you separate them, you end up with death, the separation of body and soul. So when we separate them in our minds, this is why we're scared of skeletons and ghosts and even zombies, right? The animated yeah. corpse that doesn't actually have the capacity to love and is feeding on human flesh, which is I the opposite of the ghost. I'm afraid of no ghost. Or it's the janitor the whole time, right? What? Like Scooby Doo oh. <laughs> pulls the mask off. Okay, moving on. The uh, <laughs> that's this is your key to say zoinks. Like zoinks, man! What a so, Scooby uh, snack. Yeah, thinking about the zombies too. Like, you know, what's so spooky <laughs> about zombies? I mean, obviously they're creepy and weird, and we don't like flesh puppets walking around without a soul. But um, 
think about like that in context of our idea of the resurrection of the dead, right? We, we know that at the end of time, like we'll come back to our bodies and we'll be glorified, but there's something about like a reanimated corpse that is anything but glorified. It's hellish. It's, it's, and I would Terrifying. imagine that's exactly what hell would be like to be trapped in your body and in a decaying corpse for all eternity and incapable yeah. of loving or connecting with anyone. That would be horrible. Or even think <laughs> about think about like vampires. Like there's you know a concept of vampires that's that's very like it's like an an, an inversion of our Christian yeah antithesis of our Christian concept of Eucharist. Right, like we drink the mm. blood of Christ so as to live forever, and vampires drink human blood. Supposed to live forever. So there's this, and, and what are these? All these come out at Halloween time, and it's not really a coincidence. Um, it, it all comes back to this Christian origin, this Christian understanding of of who are we and where are we headed, and um, and what what does all this mean? So, um, yeah, like okay, you, well then explain. In, oh, keep going. Well, I was just rounding it out. You know, if if you put these things in that context. The skeletons and the ghosts and the whatever, and you're you're thinking about it in that context. There's nothing inappropriate or demonic about dressing up as a skeleton for Halloween or a ghost or whatever. Probably um, as long as we understand the, the proper thing. Now, when right. I was a baby, because I was born the day before Halloween, I came home in a pumpkin suit, you know, and then I think I dressed as a jack o' lantern. He's still wearing it right <laughs> now. <laughs> Yes, I am. Thank you for Instead the Instead of holidays. a birthday suit, it was a pumpkin. <laughs> right, shut up. It's ridiculous. Um, but I uh, and even had a jack-o'-lantern costume a couple, two or three different times throughout. So explain to me, like, okay, we have skeletons, we have ghosts, we have zombies, we have vampires, We goblins. have the Titanic and the iceberg. <laughs> we have the Titanic. <laughs> yes, everyone, I did dress as the Titanic for Halloween when I was eight. And then I did it again when I was 21, and my girlfriend was the iceberg, and we broke up within a year, so I should have seen that coming. Booming on. All right, moving on. Tell me, <laughs> pray for everybody involved in those years of my life, but <laughs> tell me, where did the jack-o'-lantern come from, and how does that make any sense? Because it just seems so random, right? I, I, do, I don't even like pumpkins. I do I don't even like pumpkins. I'm not even the pumpkin spice guy. Like, everybody loves I, it. I'm like, eh. That's the second best Halloween quote um, <laughs> of John Zoll. So, last year at Halloween, now I remember. I don't even remember. What, what did you just say? I'm not the pumpkin guy just now? What did he say? I, don't, the, I don't even like pumpkins. He said, he said, I'm not the pumpkin spice guy. No, right, he right. said, I don't even like pumpkins. That's the quote of this year for the video is John Zoll. I don't even like pumpkins. Last year, his quote quotes. was, like, skeletons? What? I remember that. I forgot. Oh my gosh. Everyone, we have to make these clips for <laughs> I don't you. even like pumpkins. <laughs> I don't even like pumpkins. So. He's writing this down. Why why are we encouraging this? So thing? you asked about Jack Lantern. So I did a little bit of research on this and um I'll I'll have to post uh something in the in the show notes here about uh an article. Yeah, send a link or something. So we'll have lots of resources in the show notes, so do check those out. Um, but as far as I could tell, basically there's an Irish, uh, folk tale about a guy named Stingy Jack. Um, oh, Stingy Jack. This is so cool. Yeah. Jack-o'-lantern. So, okay. So right. he, um, 
Something to the effect of uh, he like invited the devil over for a drink, but he didn't want to pay for the drink because he was stingy Jack. And so he somehow uh, convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin to pay for the drink. And uh, so then the devil turned turned himself into a coin. He put the coin in his pocket. Jack did. But he had tricked the devil because there was a cross in his pocket. And because the coin was touching the cross in his pocket, he wasn't able to turn back into his normal devil form. That's how crosses work. And so, um, right, right. <laughs> and so, um, basically, the devil was really um, was really upset at having been tricked. And somewhere in this process, he had uh, Jack had convinced the devil not to take his soul at the time of his death. And so, then one day. Um, then one day Jack dies and God doesn't want to let Jack into heaven because he's unsavory and, um, yeah, he's just not a good guy. Um, generally, I think if you're having the devil over for drinks, you're probably not going to heaven. Right. And so um, so he gets kicked out of heaven and the devil doesn't want to deal with this guy anymore. So the devil kicks him out of hell. And when he sends him out of hell, um, he sends him out with just like a burning coal to light his way in this outer darkness. And so uh, Jack puts it inside of a, uh, like a turnip uh, that was like carved out as like a lantern. And so then something to the effect of Jack now wanders the world with this turnip lamp thing. And can't so, be in heaven, um, can't be in hell. There's, that's a purgative state to think about. Interesting. Anyway. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. So jack o represent purgatory. No, okay. Obviously. Well, Jack's definitely not in purgatory, because if you're in purgatory, you're assured of your salvation. Oh, that's so. true. You're right. So um, it's an ambiguous limbo. Oh, Yeah, something sad. like that. I don't know. Don't think too hard about it. It's an Irish it's true. Okay. It's Irish. So, <laughs> but uh, in an Irish bar. anyways, and I know that I know that in the the British Isles, um, it was common around harvest time. It was something, some, yeah, older tradition that they would carve out these like turnips and beets and stuff, and put like lights inside, candles or coals and stuff, um, to scare away stingy Jack or the the. Uh, the demons or the devil and things, evil spirits. Um, and then when the Europeans came to the Americas and they met the native Americans, they were introduced to pumpkins and they were like, Hey, pumpkins and gourds are like way better than turnips. And so it just became, I agree. Pumpkins. I agree. I, who likes turnips? Uh, uh, exactly. You know, you know, what's no, it's worse than stingy Jack. Stinky Pete. <laughs> When uh when I was looking it up and I saw that Ridiculous. the legend was about a guy named Stingy Jack, I was like, Eric's gonna love this. Uh, <laughs> I, Dude, I read so it. Good. I read it in your voice. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, I'm impressed. So, it's so fun. Now, right. So whatever is that super significant theologically deep? I no. Uh, but it's fun and it's and look, they're harmless. Do jack o' lanterns. I love jack o' lanterns. My wife and I are gonna do jack o' lanterns this year and. 
and put them out. Right, what, and, we, what we don't want to do, though, is open up the portals to hell itself, right? Where you're literally falling into the demonic, where you want to bring haunted spirits into your home in a level where they can actually take up occupancy and increase sin, suffering, and misery in your life. Mm-hmm. And that's what oftentimes happens. Well, that's People, why we're scaring away Stingy Jack. Exactly, right? <laughs> um, think of, and Stinky Okay, Pete. okay and if you want to go with that route, then there's some level maybe look at a Jack Leonard's like incense <coughs> right the burning of incense uh, that Tobias did with Sarah on the night of their wedding gave St. Raphael through the inter- their prayers uh, and begging God for mercy the ability and strength to and mm. call from God to cast out the demon Asmodeus the demon of lust out of the bedroom of Sarah and Tobias and so on some level incense is both intercessions of uh, prayers wafting up to heaven but there's also some level of strength and safety I think that they that they exude right there's an aura of protection they provide right yeah. so maybe that's what Jack Leonard's that's maybe how we can Catholicize or Christianize uh, some of these seemingly secular ideas sure and like I mean I, there's nothing wrong with like having some fun um, exactly. on Halloween. And I do. Fun is a sin. Um, right. Not a lot of fun. I, no I, fun. No fun. I want to kind of very briefly, because I, I do want to get to, hey, what are some fun ways that we can celebrate um, Halloween and All Saints Day and All Souls Day as Catholics and kind of reclaim those, especially in like family friendly, wholesome ways? Because, um, yeah, I think that's important. Um, I do kind of want to address this idea that Halloween is somehow a bad holiday or it's like, you know, I mean, you hear like, and, and like occult stuff or demonic stuff. Right. Um, like we don't obviously want to avoid that stuff, but also we have to recognize that that's not what it is in its origins. Um, it's not even something that we have to redeem so much as it's something that we need to take back from the culture that kind of, it's kind of like Christmas, like Christmas is, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the purpose but of Christmas. If you look around, it's like you know the the, the jolly fat man in the red suit and the presents and the lights and all He's the stuff. He's a nice and it's guy. Like, and but that's a we, do- totally different episode. Completely, <laughs> you're right. But we've completely like divorced the the origins of the holiday from the way that we celebrate it. Now it's just totally secularized. Same with Halloween, which is how you can have like a healthy. Um, like dressing up as spooky things and that can if you don't keep that proper mindset devolve into all of the uh gory demonic just terrible awful things that you now see in people's front yards or the people dress up as um but it's kind of like that it's kind of like that that balance right like i said a few episodes ago that i feel like the catholic church constantly finds herself caught between two crazy people on like every issue yes um it's this is kind of like it right you have the one that's just the totally off the rails um demonic terrible celebrations secular whatever and then on the other hand um you have like a kind of a puritanical um understanding where the only way you can celebrate Halloween is by dressing as the saints and well, or by or by not celebrating it at all. I um, or doing a, a lot of my um, a lot. I've had a, a few of my um, Protestant friends will tell me about you know they they don't call Halloween Halloween. They call it Reformation Day. I'm like, well, 
I'm not celebrating Reformation Day, first of all. Right. Um, <laughs> right. But, not a feast day. But anyone. also, um, like, it's there's no need to do this. Um, actually, I don't know if you guys knew this, but the Puritans um, in New England banned the celebration of Halloween, not because they were concerned about witches, but because they were concerned about Catholics. Um <laughs> Same for similar reasons they banned Christmas. You couldn't celebrate Christmas in wow. Puritan of England. Um, so we have to take this back. We got to take this stuff back. After and even it. with Christmas, you know, I know I know people who are like, I'm not getting a Christmas tree because it's pagan. It's like, well, okay, whole different episode. But right, like this is this sort of attitude. Um, I know that there were um, you guys familiar with like Chick Tracks? Oh yeah, is that what those Jack are Chick. Jack yeah. Chick the. Uh, evangelical guy who had like he was super anti-Catholic, I, I think, and he had yeah. so um, he he actually was a very big promoter of this. You know, um, Halloween is the devil's birthday. It's it's the Catholics are devil worshippers and all this stuff. So we got to kind of like, I don't want us to get bullied into not celebrating this awesome holiday um, because and and or even like making soft compromises like. We'll do we'll do an All Saints Day party instead of a Halloween party. Do both. Do both. Do both. Exactly. All it's Saints a Day parties end. are awesome. Do that. But it's death I'll, and resurrection. Also, yeah, Catholics. We we you know it's it's the whole first the Protestant work ethic. Catholics have a lot of feast days. Have a lot of time to celebrate. Like that's a huge part of the Catholic life and Catholic living, uh, and the Catholic culture. Yeah. Yeah. So add, add another party. Right. Of course. I know we're always, that's kind of what's so awesome about the, going back to the vigil is like, we, we want to, um, we kind of want to start celebrating before the day's even here. We're like chomping at the bit to, to get that party started. So let's do it. Yeah, let's do it the night before. We're having this episode you know? come out like two weeks before Halloween. So we're right. already celebrating. Right. Well, that's I've literally got my socks. Okay. Now I have to show oh, you. Okay. There it is. <laughs> See everyone in all its glory. There you go. Moving on. You can get those at Dollar Tree. That was a little weird. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So let's Sometimes you gotta have let's fun. talk about that. Let's talk about what are some ways we can celebrate. Take it back. Um, and I just kind of want. I, I didn't write a lot of notes about this, but I just want to kind of maybe kind of brainstorm. Yeah, this will um, be good. Final thoughts, right? Because uh, how really do we get a sense start of this Halloween, for then All Saints Day, then All Souls Day? How do we? What are some ways that we can first start with Halloween and then we'll move on? Yeah. One, one of the things I was thinking about in this entire episode was uh, with All Saints Day and All Souls Day is there, there's a communal aspect, right, mm-hmm. between us and the saints in heaven uh, or the souls in purgatory, uh, the church suffering. And um, so I think incorporating more of a communal aspect. So one of the things I, I joked about the, the Protestant origins of trunk or treat, but I think getting involved in ways that build more community uh, is a great way to celebrate uh, Halloween. Is so with your local. If there's something your local parish is doing around this time, get involved with it. Um, if there is a trick or treat through your neighborhood, uh, getting involved with your neighbors and uh, participate, pass out candy, a communal right? aspect. I was even thinking this is crazy. I don't know. I'm not going to do this, but. 
but I, you could is uh, when you were telling the the original uh, trick or treaters, like you know, get to know your neighbors to a point where you're praying for their dead loved ones that that you know mm. them that, oh, that intimately. So yeah. So um, you know, we've we've definitely lost that that rich or poor or whoever in between. Uh, we don't know our neighbors so well as to to even think or to know to do that. Um, I know there's yeah. you know widows in my neighborhood and um, definitely everyone's lost someone. So. Um, that's definitely a big, uh, a big way to build community. And I think that communal aspect is so important. You'll have a lot of people come up to you when you are passing out candy that have demons in their life, darkness, great suffering. And they're in full display because whatever costume they've chosen might illustrate some of that suffering in their life. And we, uh, Crystal and I witnessed a couple kids come up that we were just like, okay, this ain't just a costume. And especially yeah. when the girl said, "That's I w- really a hatchet hanging out of their head." Right, right, right. right. No, no, <laughs> that's it. Um, no, I, I think we had one girl say, "Yeah, I wear this every day. This isn't just my costume." Wow. She straight up said that, and mm-hmm. it was like one of the most demonic-looking, dark kind of things. And I, I, my heart went out to her. Right, and you never know what people are experiencing. Yeah. So this is a great opportunity to help pray for people. That's, I think, one way to celebrate Halloween. Another, for me, celebrating Saint All Saints Day is. <coughs> Dressing in the clothing of the saints, but also like I love the saints alive, like the theatrical stuff that you can do, the saints party that you could have on top of the Halloween costume party you could do the day before if you're that robust of a partier. I mm-hmm. guess you could do something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, do the pageant. Obviously, go to mass on All Saints Day. I like uh, yeah, go you to better mass, do that too. Right? And go to mass on <laughs> Halloween. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, like. Just, just liturgically prepare yourself for the for this great Hallowtide celebration. I heard um, from somewhere, it was, a, it was a YouTube channel, I'm not sure, but the the idea that you should get the candy that you hand out blessed. So oh, bless the candy wow. that you're handing out. Um, I love that. Yeah, I thought can that was a good Can you do that, though? Can you bless things you're going to eat? Well, yeah, you, you bless, bless your food. Anything. You bless your food. And, I guess you're right. Yeah. Um, that might, that's so you bless cool. Easter, traditionally, Easter yeah, baskets you're and stuff. Right. So, um, yeah, huh. bless the candy you're handing out. Um, I mean, also... Attach a holy card to it. <laughs> hint, hint. I mean, you, a chick track. Yeah. A chapter, <laughs> maybe a toothbrush. Yeah. Um, no, you're little, the worst house little... <laughs> when you give out toothbrushes yeah, don't and do apples. That. Don't do that. Candy um, apples, maybe. But... but yeah, like... Also, I mean, make jack-o'-lanterns. Like, that's fun. Um, dress as your favorite saint or dress as something spooky or dress as whatever... What are your guys' not... thoughts on scaring people? I'm a prankster. What do you mean? Like, prankster? Oh, oh, yeah. I love yeah. It. Dep- I love I think it. It's depends my favorite on, thing about the year. It depends on how you do it. Like, I had an old yeah. roommate one time who decided to turn on terrifying, screaming woman being, like, murdered in the television. And then he hid on top of the dryer as I walked in the house. He also had those, like, <laughs> 4th of July, like, little heart, you know, those snap things you can throw yeah. on the ground. He had them right at the foot. So as soon as I walked in, like, these things, like, started exploding. <laughs> and then I heard this voice. And, and then he was on the dryer and he jumped and screamed. So it's like, it was so overwhelming. I was like, okay, there's something, like, dark going on here. Um, but you can jump out and scare people, I guess. I any love that. any answer totally John gives you will come from a place of hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I am talking about a deep wound here, people. This yeah. is awful. Yeah. Deep no. trauma. I don't know. I mean, I, I remember I went trick or treating. Don't be a jerk. Well, yeah, right. well, but some That's of it is kind of borderline. So I went trick or treating as a kid, 
and uh, there's a guy, and and I know we got to wrap up soon, but there's a guy, and he was like in a costume where he couldn't tell if it's a real person or not holding the candy dish. And the lady at the house was like, I was like, is he real? And she like answered in a way that suggested he wasn't. I don't think she straight up lied to me. But so when I went to get the candy, he grabbed my hand, and one of my hand was oh, in the gosh. bucket, and I was like, like full, full Macaulay Culkin, uh, all Malone screen, and uh, and it was like one of the most awesome things ever. Like I, I don't know, I love that aspect. I love getting scared. At like some the, level, the jump yeah. scare. I think as long as it stays in the okay. realm of fun and okay. not in the realm of like. So what are your what's mean. your take on haunted houses? Can you go into them? Like depends on what they. I are. think probably not. Saint Rita's School for the Deaf. In Cincinnati, it's a really holy place, I think, in my opinion, or at least from what I know of it. Catholic. I think they had, like, the most banger uh, Halloween there. Like, it was a scary... With the haunted house. Haunted house, yeah. I think they had one. People would pay money and go in there. But it depends on what you have in there. Right. That's the thing, like most of them. But like okay, people are afraid most of them devolve to dark, demonic but what torture if, like, scenes. People are afraid of evil clowns. Like, and then there's a clown scaring them. I don't know. Again, it's really being cautious and aware. Eric, like, <laughs> it's death. Do you worship death, or do you allow death to become that that adage from scripture? Oh, death, where is your sting? Right. So there's this mockery of death, not because you're trying to get into a combat with the devil and try to call him out because it's not his birthday right he doesn't have as much power as people give him there has to be some level of recognizing christ himself absorbed death entered into the worst of human suffering and darkness and grotesque imagery and brought redemption to it i really think when when we're thinking about because we could go i mean we could just say what about this what about this and we have time for that but maybe just this is how i think about it when it comes to haunted house or horror movies or whatever what is the or any movie think about this when i when i'm discerning whether i'm going to watch a movie a particular movie um what am i allowing to entertain me is it something that's that's dark that's not going to be good for my soul what is this and okay vincent okay vincent this is you know you're taking it a bit far you know this is just a little bit of mindless entertainment we don't need to be thinking about pros and cons in light of eternity when we're doing but it's like i I don't know. I, I mean, disagree. look, if, if we're called to be saints, then that means we're called to be saints right now in this moment, not tomorrow, not next week. And so maybe we need to be considering and really discerning and praying with, what is it that I'm allowing to entertain me? Is it good? Is it wholesome? Or is it going to take me further from God? And so maybe for an individual's personal discernment, do I go to this haunted house or do I watch this movie or do I do X? Um Think about it like that. Like, is this going to bring me closer to God? And I think of the desensitization, too, of, like, suffering and, and uh, the pain of others. Uh, I think uh, St. Saint, Saint Augustine talks about the young man and developing Christian who developed bloodlust going to the Colosseum one time. Yeah. Mm. So, like, yeah. uh, you know, I know I know with, with the things we're talking about, it's obviously fake. So it's a completely different thing. But it, it does... It does pique your interest sometimes in the wrong direction. Sure. And and if you're discerning of that, I think jump scares, in my opinion, are fine because there's no there's no peaked interest there. It's just like, ah. But right. like if if it is like you said, with that gore or um some of those horrible, terrible things, is it desensitizing you? Mm-hmm. Um there is a suffering? line yeah. and it's about being responsible sure. with these things. So 
so ways we can. I mean, yeah, some of the stuff that we said, good things, wholesome things to do on Halloween. Um, I think dressing up is kind of whatever, you know, like if your kid wants to dress up like a superhero or, or whatever. I mean, think about um, think about like the, that intro to that Saints Alive podcast that talks about the... Um, the saints are like real life superheroes. Yeah. So if you think about superheroes, for example, as just something a kid might want to dress up like Spider-Man or whatever, um, they're kind of like a, they're kind of like a, I don't know, a reimagining of a saint, kind of a saintly figure. And I'm not going to get into all like the Marvel anti-heroes and all that stuff, but just, you know, well, think when, about when classical you, superheroes. When you say yeah. that, it reminds me, I've got it. This is one of my favorite Halloween things is Paul Rudd. Um, his daughter dressed up as the Wasp because he's Ant-Man, but instead of dressing up as Ant-Man, Paul Rudd wanted to go as Weird Al Yankovic. What? So he was dressed as Weird Al Yankovic, but his daughter was dressed as the Wasp because he's Ant-Man. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, no, I'm not I'm not going to play along with your costume. I'm going to be Weird Al. Good for, good for Paul Rudd. That's amazing. Anyway. Um, okay, so All Saints <laughs> good Day. Good stuff. Round in the South. So All Saints Day, we, we ways to celebrate that. Um. Yeah, do like best a, All Souls Day celebration I ever saw was at Saint Rita for years. They all Saints or All Souls? All Souls, a candlelight you know vigil that they brought pictures of their loved ones and they actually prayed. It was a mass. It was very beautifully well done, um, in general, and it was very popular. I mean, mm-hmm. anytime. But at the same time, um, it can devolve to the whole Day of the Dead kind of stuff, which. That's a whole nother conversation of is that good or not, um, and it can devolve into worshiping of the dead in a false sensibility, uh, like that movie Coco. If you've seen that, that Disney Pixar is that the name of it? Coco, yeah. mm-hmm. great movie, but some of it's like maybe bad theology, right? Um, sure. So, I um, on on All Souls Day, I like to go to um, the cemetery. Calvary Cemetery. It's yes. Our, I have some relatives buried there, um, yeah, particularly my maternal grandfather. Um, Same here. And also, I and I discovered last year when I was visiting him and, uh, you know, I stood over his grave and prayed the rosary for him and that sort of thing. And it's just good to do. Maybe clean up uh, your loved one's graves or believe flowers, something like that. Um, but, like, I, I also discovered that... Um, Dr. Sangali, the former president of St. X, is buried like just a few spots over from him. So I was able to pray for him as well, um, wow. kind of towards the back. But um, yeah, d- definitely pray for the dead on All Souls Day. Like that's huge. Um, go to Mass and offer your communion for them. Um, and I'll actually, I will have to remember to post a link in the description to this as well. But I know there's a plenary indulgence attached to the first, is it week of November or nine days or eight days, something like that, um, to like going to a cemetery and praying for the dead um, that you can you can receive. So um, I'll link to that for anybody interested. Um, awesome. Yeah. Is there any... I think that's it. I mean, else? happy Fun? Halloween, everybody. And get ready. It's going to be a, maybe a different experience than you've ever had you know after this episode I'll, I'll definitely appreciate halloween a lot more than i ever did even though i loved it my whole life it's i get it even more so praise god yeah and i turned 33 this year so you do you turn trust in the resurrection even through crucifixion praise god you turn 33 in 
I'm not even going to try. Don't even I'm try. Gonna, I'm just going to try to do a John Soul. Just get I can't out do a John of here. Soul. We love you all. Right. all. We'll see you. <laughs> yes. Thank you all for joining us uh, for this episode of Spirit Inspire. Are you done coughing? <laughs> I don't thank feel you well. for. Oh, trick Thank or you treat. for joining us for this episode of Spirit Inspire. We hope to see you again very soon. Happy Halloween. Ha, ha, ha.